is the Schaefer Baseball Report, an inside look at America's pastime. From Little League all the way to the big leagues. Now here's your host, former Major League infielder Jeff Schaefer. All right, welcome everybody. Schaefer Baseball Report Friday edition. We got John, Easy Cheese, Ennis, former Major League pitcher, Andrew, Associate Director, Associate Regional Director, USA Baseball. And uh, we're going to be bringing in... uh, 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 a power coach here um, shortly, Monty Lee, that's down at the University of South Carolina now. Uh, we'll bring him on in a few minutes, and uh, we'll get the show underway, man. So I social media, you know, we, we play on it all the time. You go there, you kind of follow other people, different things, but we're not like hounds on it and stuff like that. But it is amazing to see the number of tryouts that are going on from 10U, uh, even younger than that, younger 10U than all, the way, all the way up to, you know, the, the showcase level kids. Um, and it's, and it, I was telling Andrew earlier, it seems like it's a, uh, it's a flyer contest, you know, who makes the prettiest flyers is going to draw the attention to the, um, you know, to the parents and the kids that want to, that want to transfer. And part of the issue with these, all these tryouts is they just list tryouts. Nobody actually goes through the, um, the educational process of saying, you know, this is what our organization does. You know, we, you know, we have a facility, we have fields, we, uh, we practice twice a week. We, have like us a carving station set up specifically for pitching um you know playing this tournament that tournament we have a, a network that we that we connect with we actually have you and i and and uh uh tim kirk that work on placing these kids at the college level so you know it's but they just go around for some reason they get kind of enamored by one uniforms because we know that you know the 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 bigger groups out there, you know, the Canes, the, um, uh, I would dirt say bags. the dirt bags, the five stars, all these other people, they get, they get kind of, uh, you know, the sheet pulled over their head saying, you know, if you wear this uniform, it's going to create certain type of opportunities for you when that's not necessarily true. It's true at certain levels. Okay. Well, I mean, no it, doubt. Can, it can be, but it's, it's everybody's assumption that it will be. And that's not, that's not a hundred, that's not the case. I mean, a lot of the, t- and, 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 you know, most of the flyers we're seeing are, you know, in smaller independent teams and stuff like that. And they're just one offs. And, you know, we're looking to fill one or two players and stuff like that. And, you know, that's fine. You know, good for you. You know, good luck. Go do it. Uh, but the, yeah, there's not, there's not a lot of information in them. Um, and some of them, some of them just don't have the resources. And then some of them, they, there really isn't much behind it. Right. So growing up, it was for us, it was, it was community baseball. Yeah, it was it wasn't really showcase type of baseball. It wasn't until after my senior year that I went to play for somebody else because it was kind of a last ditch before going into college mm-hmm. um, and ended up going out to the County Mac World Series. But, you know, it's interesting because the, these kids can just I mean, you'll see 10, 11, 12 year old kids coming from the beach to play here on weekends, mm-hmm. show and go stuff and not the actual development side of it. And it's it, it's it's unfortunate because I don't think it's doing the game any good to be that watered down that spread out you know and it seems like we have this conversation it's not going to change no and i don't think not. we have any any ability to change it or anybody else out there really has any ability to change it but you know it's usually a parent that is not happy with a certain scenario that their kid is in whether he's not playing shortstop or he's not catching or he's not getting enough innings on the mound and they're going to jump ship and i would say 99 percent of the time it's the kid you would say it's the kid that wants out. No, it's the kids. I mean, the, they they have an overestimated view of what their kid should be. Oh, doing. the parent has the overestimated yeah, view because of what, what the kid is right. See, yeah, what sure. you see very you see this you see all the time that these kids are jump from one team to the next to the next right. to the next right. to the next, right. and their parents are are enabling them, and they're not you know they're not you know putting their heels in the dirt and figuring out how you know getting their getting, getting their elbows dirty and figuring out a way to get better. Yeah, they're they're waiting, they they want the next best thing because this isn't good enough. We got to go get the next one. The next I went, one. The I, next went, one. I went to the uh, the Diamond Prospects All Star Game the other night, mm-hmm. and um, sitting up with Eddie and a couple other people, and we're pointing out how many different uniforms certain certain of these guys wore. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, since we've known them, since they've been, you know, I mean, we've run into 10, a lot of these guys 10, 10, 10 11, 12 10 years, years old, old yeah. and have tracked. You know, every year they're at a different team, a different place, and they just keep bouncing around. You know, and I think that's part of the issue at the college level now too, because once these guys get in there, they don't fight for their jobs. If they're not happy, they're gonna they're gonna jump in the portal. And we'll talk to Monty when we get him on about that too. But um, you know, the portal has become like you know the pathway to hell. It seems like I mean, it's just it's, it's just, it's just, it's a- it just continues on from what they've been doing since they were ten. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not happy with this team. I'm not happy with the situation. Instead of fighting for a spot, trying to get better, 
you know, they much rather jump out and see if they can go find a comfort level or somebody that's going to talk to them a certain way. And, uh, some, some unfortunate, uh, unfortunate stuff, but, uh, we have our tryouts coming up. Andrew, what's the date again? November next, 1st, next Tuesday. Next oh, Tuesday, talk about unfortunate. We got good numbers. Listen, you know, we, we have good numbers coming in again. It's we, we, we battle. I, I don't say we battle. We, by design, John, you know, we, we made this decision together at that point. And, uh, you know, that one team per age group was was necessary to, you know, put as much as we can into the kids all the time, mm-hmm. right? So if you go ahead and you expand and you go across the board and you're trying to chase this affiliate team and that affiliate, bring all these guys in, and they're not practicing and they're wearing your brand, you know, it, it doesn't... Well, I mean, not just that, but it's a trickle-down effect. I mean, you can only find so many really good coaches and you can only find mm-hmm. so many guys that do things the way you want and have the commitments levels that you require... And once you start getting beyond, you know, even if you say we only have one team at each age group, that's still six or seven or eight teams that we're running around right. or helping with or, right. or you know, we, we have some involvement with. Uh, that's it's a, it's a lot of teams to to try to make sure are running the way you want them to run. Now, you you add on top of that, you lose the coaching, you lose your connection with, with the team. Right. You know, to me, that that. I, I, you know, big, I like, like you go back to the community thing where yeah. when we were young, we liked right. the community thing. That's as close as we can come to c- kind of creating a community aspect anymore right. is, is having some connection to the teams that are here and are with us. Right. Well, we end up, uh, if people don't go around and kick tires, you know, if you're going to go buy a car, you're not going to pull on a lot and this is the first car I'm going to get. Right. You're going to go check out all, what are all the features, what's involved. You're buying a house. You see multiple houses. You do certain things like this is an investment in your, in your kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you're obviously you're looking for opportunity along the way because that has been become that has become the landscape of everything. These kids, even at 10, 11 and 12, are looking. They think they're getting great opportunities. They think they're being recruited. I mean, we've heard that mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, 12 years old, like, you know, my kids being recruited. Like, are you out of your mind? You know, that, that, that's not that, that's not even close to the truth. You don't know how much this is resonating with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very, very, very tough week with, yeah, uh, with one of my my teams and uh and really that's what a lot of it comes down to is they're i mean they're trying to jump through middle school baseball and to the point where they're you know you know this is gonna you know they they, they think they believe this move is going to help them at their high school level and it's like you haven't even we haven't been on the big field yet man these guys haven't even started puberty like it's it's all all the small field legends man right Uh, all the guys that uh you know they're in this condensed piece of uh grass and dirt and they Everybody just, can get to a fly ball. Bubble. Everybody can get to a fly ball. You know, there's there's no real holes, and yeah, they're in a, they're in a bubble on a small field, and it's like ugh, this is. Yeah. There's a lot that's going to happen between now and three and four years. Listen, we, it's funny because we just Hunter Buske is going to go to Brevard, right? Mm-hmm. So Hunter's been with us since, and Andrew posted this picture when Hunter he had to be ten or eleven, right? Yeah. I mean, when Eddie yeah. and those guys first came over, pre mullet, pre mullet, pre pre mullet, <laughs> and he, um, you know, I mean, we always he was always good enough to keep around. You know, and as more as he developed along the way, he became a pretty good, pretty good player. At the beginning, it was only his personality. You think so? It it was like two years of just personality, and then he finally started getting better. So, I mean, we, you know, I'm just joking. (laughs) I thought we had other standards (laughs) other than just personality. We got other things outside the fence. It was all personality. He's a funny kid, so we kept him around. And then he ended up turning into a really good ball player. (laughs) I'll tell you what, that sucker can hit. He can hit. He can rake. He can rake. And, you know, here's another thing, and when we get to mind, you know, we get to see these guys. How many games have we seen Hunter play? 150 games since he was 10 years old? Well, more than that. You know, easily, right? So, you know, we see the kid play. We see the kid develop. We know what he is. And some of these recruiters will come to the come to the games and Biscuit will have a good game and it'll intrigue him enough to say, hey, you know, we do want him to come to the camp. You know, we'll call and say, OK, keep an eye on him. But some of these guys don't perform well in that environment. Or or it's just such a small sample size that like baseball. I mean, sometimes you don't get three hits in a game. Right. Right. You know? right. Mm-hmm. But you don't have enough time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm saying enough time to, to see, you know, because you can you can go out there and you can see the stud athlete. Right. Every time you walk out there, you can see the stud athlete He's going to. He's going to run better than everybody else. The body's going to be bigger. You know, he's going to be stronger and all that other stuff. But you don't always get a chance to see the baseball player. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't Absolutely. see. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and that's not the recruiter's fault necessarily, but that's just the way kind of the system is built right now. Right. They, they go after these showcases and stuff like that. And and that's the easiest way to go and get some data on somebody. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know really creating a network of of coaches at our mm-hmm. you know the, that are around yeah. the high school kids and and are in different regions 
that see these players, whether they're with right. our organization, like Hunter has been for the last several years, or they're with yeah. other organizations where we've seen them play a bunch and we can say, hey, this is this is a ball player. Right. Um, I mean, it's it, it, it's super important for those guys to 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 create that kind of network regionally, especially. You know, I, I can I can see you know whether there's there's a trust factor in you know and what's coming in because they're, they're getting inundated. You look at this NCSA stuff, right? Is that what it's NCSA or NSCA? NCSA. NCSA, right? These guys are getting pounded with emails, so they're gonna go they're gonna go to a kid and they're gonna say we're gonna help you get recruited. Um, you're gonna give us all this money. We're gonna build this video. By the way, we network to every college across the country. Okay, so they buy in. I mean, how could you not logically go? But I'm not the only kid that's in the, in this program and how many emails are you sending to these guys and how many videos can they go through? So you're, you're right to the point you try to create, create a network of, you know, experience. And the college coach. Yeah. That's, that's the right. college coaches, the successful recruiters and things like, I mean, they have to have good networks and right. guys that can get eyes on these right. guys a lot. Listen, there's definitely, there's definitely, there's people out there and then there's definitely organizations out there that attracts. And when I say organizations, I say at the highest levels, right? On the, what they call the national teams. Now, how many national teams are out there? As many world series there are every single weekend. No. You know, it's crazy. So everybody's calling a national team, but you know, they, you know, we know for a fact because we, you know, we deal with it on, on, a, on a different level because you know, there's, there's teams out there that you're definitely going to go see, right? Mm -hmm. You're definitely going to go see because they're always going to attract the dudes, whether it, whether the cost is right, whether it's a sponsor team, whether it's whatever it's, but you're usually going to be or able just to a great track record or just a good track record of, of, of winning along the way. So, and, and, you know, and it's the track record of putting kids at the, at the higher levels. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the guys that don't have the budgets or late or late developing guys. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's a big piece. I mean, we saw that in Mitchell Salvino going to Washington Lee and this kid's going to end up in the ACC. You know, I mean, he's, he's probably going to end up in the ACC after. But at 18 years old, he was 106 pounds or whatever. Right. <laughs> but, but he was. You're not going to you're not going to take a kid that is that you have to hope he develops into something physical. Now, Mitchell did. He went from 160 to 205 in a period of time. And he's, you know, he, he fits the eyeball test. But you don't. um you know, a lot of times, a lot of these schools can't take the chance. I mean, because, you know, and, you know, we talked to mine, I'll tell you, I mean, you're on the hot seat every day, whether you're winning or losing, mm -hmm. you know, your, your, your job depends on winning mm -hmm. and on certain schools, it depends on winning at the, at the highest, you know, you know, they getting, be, getting to the super regionals, getting to the world series and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, you're right, John, to build the network and, and, you know, for you to, you know, we bounce players off of each other. We call schools together and do different things. Andrew's getting in, involved in that more now. Um, you know, it's nice to know that, you know, the phone's picked up. I mean, because they know we're not going to take something that and try to stuff it into a situation that doesn't fit. You know, I mean, it's either and, and, and we're very honest in our evaluations when we go that road. We don't. I mean, Monty Lee, when he was at Clemson, didn't have to worry about us calling about 15 kids. No, no. you know, or he doesn't have to worry right. about that. It's If he gets a call yeah. from us, it's, it's going a, it's to gonna be, be because kid. this kid can play right at that level. He's he, he's that type of player. So, um, so let's let's uh, let's go ahead and let's bring in Monty. Um Monty, welcome. So I'm going to give a little intro for you here, okay? So uh, this is uh, Monty Lee's joining us today, gang. This is a uh, we, we were joking earlier. He's um, he's been in the he hasn't left the state of South Carolina since he was born, and um, I think he said earlier that the only time that he got out was when he was playing minor league baseball. And he's he's been in back, but he's he's coached he's coached everywhere. You know, he's uh, College of Charleston, uh, Clemson. Now he's down at South Carolina as the associate head coach and. Uh, head recruiting coordinator. He's, um, you know, he, he's he's done it all in the state of South Carolina. He's done it all on the college level. I mean, I'm I'm going through his, you know, his stuff this morning, John, and I'm looking at, holy cow, man. You know, you don't realize, like, we, you know, we've known Monty in the game forever, but you never like we never we know we know Monty the person, but we never dive in always to the statistics. You just assume he's, everything is going well when, you know, you're going from, uh, you know, a college of Charleston to a, to an ACC school and now to another ACC school. Um, He's got a 518 and 281 record as a Division One head coach. That's pretty good. He doesn't have as many ties as Ross and I. No, no, Ross and no, I. No, yeah, like you guys leave, you leave the country in ties. That's right. Ties in that's, the last five years. That's that's amazing. So I mean, so that you know that, that's power stuff. Um, Those are big numbers. Obviously, I'm sure if we, you know any name that you throw out in, in the state, Monty's going to know, and any, everybody's going to know Monty. But uh, Monty, we're going to uh, we're going to jump off. We appreciate you being here. First of all, on our on our Friday fun show and uh, every every show is fun though. Is it every, every show? It, it's not. Is it? You yell at me sometimes. 
<laughs> and that, that's that, that's not fun. But uh, so welcome, Monty. So um, down in South Carolina now, and uh, now the associate head coach and head recruiting coordinator. Kind of uh, kind of fill us in a little bit on the the transition out of the head coaching position, which you've been in for I don't know since two thousand nine. Um, you know, up until, uh, you know, you left Clemson to, um, you know, the head recruiting coordinator to be back out there, back on the road. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of play off of, uh, your answer here. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I, my, uh, my, my headphones aren't working great. So I just want to make sure you could hear me. Okay. But, um, but no, I mean, the, the transition, uh, the transition uh, from head coach, uh, 14 years, I was a head coach at, at the College of Charleston for seven, Clemson for seven, and, and now back to uh, South Carolina's recruiting coordinator, uh, hitting coach, uh, a role that I had in 2007 and eight uh, b- before I became a head coach. Um, um, so I'm, I'm very familiar with South Carolina, the University of South Carolina. I grew up about 30 miles north of here in Lugolf, South Carolina. So I uh, grew up, you know, coming to the Gamecock football games, basketball games, baseball games. Obviously uh, had coached here for six years as an assistant coach under Ray Tanner. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you can get a better apprenticeship as an assistant coach than working for Ray Tanner. Uh, went to Omaha twice while I was here as an assistant. And then, uh, and then obviously when I left, you know, they went on to win, uh, you know, a couple national championships. So, you know, got a chance to work for one of the best to ever do it. Uh, and now that I'm back, I'm just uh, really excited about the opportunity that I have. I think that, you know, the biggest difference has been, you know, for me is, you know, as a head coach, you got to wear a lot of different hats. Um, you know, you've got to be engaged in recruiting. You got to be engaged in your budget. You've got to be engaged in the psychology of, of dealing with so many different personalities on a team. You have to delegate responsibilities amongst your coaching staff. Um, you know, you have to you have to do a lot of different things um, as a head coach at the Division One level. Um, and and now that I'm back to being an assistant coach. You know, my primary focus is working with our offense, working with our hitters. Coach Kingston, uh, Mark Kingston, the head coach here, has given me a tremendous opportunity to, um, you know, to to run, to work with our hitters, develop our hitters in our offense the way that I that I that I deem that we should do it. Um, and then also on the recruiting side, um, you know, it's it's been it's been unique. You know, coming back into the recruiting game uh, from the last time I was recruiting coordinator and. And obviously, I, as a head coach, I was able to see the shift. Uh, but, you know, back in 2007 and 8, you know, quite honestly, we were recruiting one class at a time. And you could and you could really take your time, evaluate players, talk to coaches. You know, you guys talked about your network. Um, you know, we would use our network on, on, on players, but we could get out and see that kid without, you know, feeling the pressure of having to offer them right away. You know, we had the chance to see them. Um, in the summer going into their junior year. We got a chance to see them play in the fall of their junior year, the spring of their junior year. We weren't calling guys until July 1. That was the big day. Uh, Jeff, I'm sure you remember those days. Like The big day was July 1 after their junior year. That summer going into their senior year, that was the first opportunity you had to call them. Uh, So you really felt like you had a really good database of at-bats and innings under your belt, and you could watch that player and evaluate that player and understand what what type of makeup the player had. Uh, you know, was he, was he a competitor? Is he tough? Does he have a, a high baseball IQ? You had a, you had a lot of um, – you know, you, you just had a lot more information, I think, to make a decision on whether you were going to offer that kid or not, so you didn't feel like you missed as much. Uh, you know, now in this day and age, I'm looking at my recruiting board as I'm sitting here. I've got our 2023 board. Um, I've got a 24 board, a 25 board, a 26 board, and I'm starting a 27 board. So just to tell you the difference in recruiting from 2007 and eight to, you know, 2022, it's uh, it's very different. And, um, you know, it's just it's um, it's it takes a lot more time. And you're getting just smaller glimpses of players, um, you know, trying to make decisions uh, relatively quickly. Because if you don't, as you guys know, um, you know, kids are committing uh, at a record pace and and at younger and younger ages. And, 
Um, it's just it's it's a challenging in, environment to be able to make decisions on sometimes a short look, but then also you you have to trust your ability to project probably you know better than ever, and um, it is certainly a challenge that I think all of us on this side would would tell you we all feel that way. Um, but um, and you guys already have have, have said it like I, I don't know I really don't know what's going to change it. Uh, because I, I don't think any of us want to, uh, you know, feel like the, the process right now is a great one, but it is the one that we have, and, and we're trying to do everything we can to make the most of it and be competitive in the recruiting game. Do you think uh, the, the, misses, the misses in recruiting today are more, um, especially recruiting younger guys, because you're not going to go recruit a younger guy that isn't physical to begin with, right? Or that has the skill set, going to run a certain 60, show the arm strength, show everything that needs to do, the hand, the feet. You miss more in the, uh, the personality of the player and how he fits into the culture of uh, what a head coach is trying to build. Yeah, I think I think that, you know, one of the things that I see and and I'm I'm a you know, one of the things that I'm a big, big believer in is I, I never criticize anything that I don't understand. I, I think that's very important. And 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 I think one of the things that's going on in our game now is, you know, you got college coaches kind of that, you know, they don't they don't like the way the travel ball situation is going. Travel ball coaches don't always like the way, you know, recruiting's going on our end and. Uh, you know, old school, new school, traditional baseball, data driven, like there's just a lot of conflicting things going on in our game. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I, I try my best not to criticize things that I don't understand. Um, I criticize everything the, 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 and I don't understand the anything. Things, <laughs> yeah. The things that, the things that I see uh, when it comes to players in this day and age is because the player and you guys have already brought it up, you know, a lot of times if, if they have played with a lot of different travel ball organizations, those those kids typically are the ones that have had a lot of private instruction, a lot of one on one attention. Um, you know, they're they, they focus on their swing. If they're a position player, more than being a hitter, right. uh, they focus on their they, they, they focus on their pitching metrics versus being a pitcher. Um, they focus on their, their arm velocity versus having a playable arm. Uh, if they're an infielder that can throw from different angles and play different positions, um, you know, they focus on their 60 time, you know, the 60, in my opinion is, is highly overrated. Uh, I've had, I mean, I had an, an outfield at one point that had a six, four runner in left and a seven Oh runner in center. Um, so you know, quite honestly, I think there's I think there are things that kids focus on today because they are under the illusion sometimes that college coaches want to know that information. And to be honest with you, yeah, I mean, measurables matter. You know, we want guys that that can run fast and can throw hard and have bat speed and, and all of that. But you you can see that with your own eyes. I mean, and you can you can. You, you can. And, you know, ultimately, the you know, the best the best piece of technology out there is still the scoreboard. And we want guys that are going to help us score runs and and help us prevent runs that have the defensive skill set to play multiple positions and can and can make plays. We want guys on the mound that pound the strike zone and, and understand how to use three pitches. We want guys that can hit the ball foul pole to foul pole and have a two strike approach and can situational hit and are baseball players. I mean, I don't think that part is, has ever changed and I don't think it ever will change, but you, to answer your question, yes, you definitely miss more because you simply don't have as much information about the player, which is why you are seeing all of these pop-up camps come into play because it's really the only way based on the rules that we are able to get kids on campus at a young age and be able to get to know them a little bit, to be able to see them um, for at least a day uh, with defensive reps, uh, watch them move around, watch how their swing works, maybe watch live at bats, watch them face hitters, um, get some measurables all on them in terms of their athleticism. And again, you know, you just want to try to do everything you can on our end to um, – to make the best decisions that that you possibly can. Uh, so um, I hope that answers some of your question. 
That was, that was good. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's there's so much more data out there nowadays, but it sounds like that doesn't mean that the quality of the information has gone up. Well, there's a yeah. lot of guys out there that have tremendous bat speed that can't hit, uh, that have yeah. tremendous velocity and can't pitch. Um, so, you know, do those things matter? Sure. You know, you you want to you want to be able to recruit kids that have upper end, you know, above average fastballs and above average breaking balls, above average bat speed and foot speed but they still have to be able to pitch and play. So part of the recruiting process is, is camps now, right? And we've in the past three years, four years, we've seen more universities pop up with their team camps. Yeah. Um, you got a, a one side better than the other in terms of team camps, school camps and showcase type of events, like a large PG or event bat. or a wood bat or something like that, where, you know, and, and again, and, and before, and I'll just, you know, a lot of those teams that go down there are going down there with wishful thinking that hope everybody's out there going to flip a rock and find these guys, right? We, we know, you know, it necessarily doesn't work, work that way. Um, but is there, is there, a, is there a, a preference, you know, Monica, do you think it's equal or, or would you prefer more kids go to the camps? Because we, we push our organization. We're not a big world would bat PG, you know, we, we develop the kids, we keep them local, we have a network, we reach out and we work it that way instead of, you know, having to go down to this big event where everybody thinks they're, they're going to get recruited. But we push, we push camps on our kids, but we push camps in the sense of just don't go to any camp. Like, you know, uh, it, you know, if they want to go to a South Carolina camp, but they're not a South Carolina player. We would we'll first say to them, listen, if you want to go down there to be on that field and experience what it feels like to be down there, then go to the camp, enjoy it. But if you're going to camp to be recruited by South Carolina, you're not that guy. So don't go. Um, but if we do have somebody like that, we'll reach out, i.e. To, to Monty and say, hey, we're sending this kid down. We think he can play there. Extra eyes, obviously their decision in the end. You know, does it fit the program, not fit the program, the profile work. Um, but, you know, do you have a preference? You know, is there something, something that you've been more successful with in terms of the showcase yeah. stuff versus the, uh, the camp stuff? Well, it's a great, it's a great question. I, I, I think for me, um, and I, I'll start small and then work my way out big to answer the question. You know, for me, I think it's, I think it's important to go to the smaller camps, uh, you know, the, 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 the recruiting camp, so to speak. Um, and, and just like you said, Jeff, I mean, find, find the places that you think that fit you as a player. And that's where, Having a coach that can be authentic and honest with the player is very, very important. You know, if a kid can play at this level and they come to our prospect camp, it's certainly going to give us an opportunity to evaluate that player. And, um, you know, but but if a kid can't play at this level, go to go to the go to camps where you can play and and where you do have an interest in the school and in the program. Uh, because that sends a message to that coaching staff that this young man has sincere interest. If he's going to come to our camp. He has sincere interest in our program, uh, so uh, you know it's advantageous for you to do that. I think camps are very, very important. There and there's a difference between again, you know, the smaller pop-up oriented camp and the instructional camp. I find tremendous value in instructional camps too because I just I think it's almost a lost art, so to speak. Um, there's not that many people that just value coming to a camp in the winter time or in the off season and let's show you how we teach our hitters how to swing the bat, or this is our pitching philosophy. This is our recovery methods. You know, this is what we do in the weight room. This is what we do on defense with all of our different positions. This is how we run the bases. Um, you know, these are our overall philosophies. Um, I think that, you know, that used to be the way it was. There were no showcase type camps. When I first got into this, it was the camps were big. There was instruction going on, but it also gave you the opportunity to evaluate the kids in your camp as well. And I thought it worked really, really good. Uh, so I do think that there is value in, in going to camps to gain instruction, but also to be evaluated by those coaching staffs and get to know those coaching staffs. Because ultimately, and I've said this forever, it's the people that makes the place. It's not the place that makes the people. So it's very important that young players, if they can, Go and meet the coaching staff and get a sense of if you're a hitter, you know, do you do you feel like it's a good fit for you to go play for this person? 
if you are a pitcher, is it a good fit for you to play for this person? Because that position coach, um, the head coach that is in place at that program, that, that person is going to make a major, major impact on your life. If you go to that school, you want to make sure that you go and play for the right person, certainly over just the place. I think kids get enamored with the place and not the people inside the building, and it really should be the other way. Um, and that's the way that I see it as far as the camps go. Uh, when you start moving into showcase events and then the major, major, you know, the giant tournaments, I like the smaller tournaments from an evaluation standpoint because I would rather go to a place and be able to sit in one ballpark, maybe go to two or three ballparks and and really be able to sit down and not feel like I got to leave in the third inning to go watch another game. I mean, when you go to, you know, some of the events, and I'm certainly, you know, not going to name them, but. You know, when, when you, as a recruiter, if I go to an event that has north of 100 teams in it, um, basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pick individual players that I know are going to be in that tournament, and I'm going to try my best to see two at-bats in a game, and then I've got to go because there's so many teams there and so many players there. It's just you can't cover it. I mean, it's like right. it's, so you, it's, you're not you're not going to find something basically incidentally like you're just there. You're there specifically for a kid. And then but really the the ancillary players, you're not really, you know, something's got to be just off the charts. Seems, good to, to even. I mean, the interesting doesn't yeah, have all, so like, ones. Right. Yeah. Every you know, look, every now and then you're going to stumble in front of a player like every you know, it will happen. But you you probably went to that field to see somebody else, and then this other player just caught your eye. But you but very rarely, very rarely do I go to a ballpark in a major major tournament that has a bunch of teams in it and go into the ballpark blind and just happen to just watch an event and see if I find a player. That's very very rare. Um, the smaller events where you know, all the games are in one place. And now I'm going to sit there and evaluate those teams and evaluate those players, you know, to gain information. So that that's kind of how I do it. And I think that's how most coaches do it. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, hopefully that, you know, that answers the question. So the learning curve, you see, you see a bigger learning curve now than we'll go back as far as when you were, pl- you were a player. At, uh, at Charleston mm-hmm. Southern in terms of kids showing up on campus, understanding how the game's played, not just, you know, so there's obviously we know there's a difference, right? There's baseball players. And then there's guys that know how to play baseball. Right. So do you see a, a bigger, le- do you see the learning curve stretching out because of showcase baseball and so many guys just doing these one-offs, my lessons, my velos and all that other stuff, or, um, you know, going to a showcase camp, getting five ground balls, not knowing how to run a double cut or a bunt defense. Is it, do you see something like that? I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what, what I see in this day and age um, is, um, you know, I think kids from a talent perspective and an athleticism standpoint, I think I think kids are are bigger, faster and stronger every year coming into college. They have hundreds upon hundreds of at bats under their belt when they get here. Um, I think that what you what you see now is kids are typically a little bit more uh, matured when they get to college, uh, physically. Um, but you very rarely find a guy unless he's just a super speed type player that knows how to bunt for a hit or can, or has ever bunted in his life in a game. Um, we have to introduce those skills to the kids at the college level. Um, because they, they've always been the three hole hitter. They've always been the four hole hitter. So they've, they've never really, you know, ever had to bunt, you know, in their life or safety squeeze, you know, the safety squeeze, you can't defend it, but yet there's very few kids that can do it, you know, just because they don't do it, they don't ever do it. Um, you know, they don't know how to delay still. They don't know how to go first to third. A dirt ball read is foreign to them just because it's not brought up, you know, when they're at first base, reading the ball in the dirt. We're uh, doing good. You know, being able to tag, tag, go halfway at second base and knowing when to do it and when not to do it. I mean, those, those things are just not – um, they're not pushed in a majority of the games that they're playing just because they're showcasing themselves. So I, I think their skill levels are pretty good, but you have to kind of reteach them how to play team baseball. Um, and that's where I think the high, high school coaches 
you know, do a good job of that. Right. Um, you know, high school coaches are trying to win. They're, they're going to teach the kids how to do those things. But I think, again, when the focus is on recruiting, then the focus is going to be on showcasing my talents versus playing the game to win the game, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. No, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you, that that's – you hear that we hear it all the time. You know? And we see it. I mean, yeah, that's exactly I mean, what we see a lot of times. You know, why'd you bump my kid? There were there was a guy here, you know, there was a college coach in the stands. Why'd you bump my kid? Because the situation dictated that he needed to bunt. Um, and uh, it's – it's I don't know. Um, so let's jump to the portal a little bit. Uh, obviously, it's, it's become a – a crazy highway. It's, it's, it, there's no speed limit to it. Basically, if we, if we kind of use that analogy and, um, I saw 120 power five guys go into the portal. So now those guys, they're not going to other power five schools primarily, right? They're, they're dumping out and, and, and either filtering down to mid majors or down to D twos and even some D threes. Yeah. A couple of the guys like, uh, Tommy tanks or something out of right. NC state. I mean, there's a few of those guys that were chasing the NIL stuff. Well, so you have, now. you have, you have the portal, and and throw in money if, if you want to parlay this into your answer. Um, what NIL is doing to some of these guys now as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the portal. Look, I, I'm I'm not against the transfer portal. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of kids that are that that go to a program and if they're not getting a chance to play and they and they want to go play at, at a smaller school or another school. Um, I don't think a kid should be penalized and having this, you know, transfer from from one school to one that he really wants to go to and having to sit out without going down a level. I don't think that's necessarily fair uh, to a kid. Um, I do think, you know, my my overall general uh, philosophy is is that you know, your first year in college, you're you're trying to figure things out, man. Like it's overwhelming. Like when you when you come into a power five program and you got really good players who are big, physical and strong and with COVID are older, you know, with the COVID year, you got so many old baseball players in college baseball. You got grown men. I mean, we got 23 year old guys, you know, still in the program now. That just wasn't the case, you know, five years ago. You know, if you were 22 years old in power five baseball, you probably weren't a very good player because you didn't get drafted at 21. So, I mean, there's a big difference now. So many guys are, are in their fourth and fifth year because kids have the ability to go into the portal after they graduate from a mid-major and go to a power five. you got a lot of 23-year-old guys playing power five baseball. It's just an older physical group. So, kid comes in as a freshman. If they don't play right away and, and they, they go into the portal because they feel like, you know, I need to go somewhere where I can play. And I think oftentimes, look, I mean, stick it out. I mean, I, I think that the guys that I have had in my programs over the years, it's one thing to not play as a freshman. It's another thing to not play for two years. You know, if you don't play in a program for two years, then considering going to a smaller school, a better fit may be best for you if that's what you want. Uh, but like after one year, just to jump that, that, Sometimes I think there's a lot of kids that are making that move way too quickly uh, that should stick it out because I think your biggest growth as a player typically becomes, you know, comes between your freshman and sophomore year in college. Uh, so I've never been a big portal guy. I mean, if you look at, you know, when I was at a, as a head coach, I never brought in a bunch of kids out of the portal. I just felt like, look, if I'm going to recruit guys, I'm going to develop them. I believe in player development. I believe in and I'm, I'm going to bet on myself and I want the players to bet on themselves that if we keep working together, we're going to get you better and you're going to be you're going to be just fine. Uh, so um, but the, the portal is a reality. And, and you know, a lot of programs now uh, we certainly did it here. You know, the team that we had this year has a number of guys that that were recruited out of the transfer portal that are older and, and are pretty good players. Uh, so. You know, when you look at when you look at it's a reality. Um, again, I just I would the my biggest take on the portal is is just make sure you know what you're doing, uh, and that you you don't make too rash of a decision to jump into the portal after one year of college baseball. Um, it, as far as NIL money, look, I mean it, it's kind of like the bit. It's kind of like every it, it's it's just like the big leagues now. I mean the teams that have the most NIL money, you know, there's. You got the you got the New York Yankees and the and the Los Angeles Dodgers, 
And then you got the Kansas City Royals and the Oakland Athletics. And it's no different. There are programs that are out there that are the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they're buying players. And, you know, there's programs that are more like the Royals uh, and the Athletics, and they have to be a little bit more selective because they don't have, you know, the same pool of money, uh, you know, to use. But, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to kids uh, being able to to get some money. Um, But now I think that when you start looking at it from the standpoint of kids are going into the portal to get paid, I think that's wrong. You know, for me, that's just flat out wrong. I think a kid should be rewarded with NIL opportunities. If they come to school and they perform at the power five level and they're a really good player and they're a spokesperson for that program and the face of that program and and they want to make some money off their name, image and likeness, I'm okay with it. Uh, But when you start seeing the motivation for kids at schools is to go into the portal so that they can get paid. And now they're going to see who gives them the most money and that's where they're going to go. I mean, to me, that's, you know, that's wrong uh, because that, that creates another whole issue for coaching staffs um, and for players. You know, they start to look around and see what other guys are doing and how they're making their money. And they get caught up in that instead of just, you know, do the best you can where you're at, play the game, do things the right way. And you'll get rewarded you know, by that far greater over your career than, you know, bouncing from the school just to get paid. That, that's just my take on it. We had, uh, we had Alex Fournay on here from the players NIL a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's still, it's still a rogue business. I mean, there's, there's no regulation to it really at this point. Schools are trying to figure out the right way to go about it with donors. Um, kids are trying to figure out how to make money. Families are trying to figure out how kids can make money to, you know, to offset the, uh, the cost of colleges, um, you know, because there's big pitfalls in that as well, right? Chasing the money and getting there, but not understanding how to handle the money in terms of taxes and, uh, you know, creating businesses and licenses and things like that. And maybe um, it was interesting. He was talking about a player that wore a uh, university shirt. Remember a university shirt in his commercial. And it was, it was, it's not loud. It's illegal. So, you know, educating these kids on what they actually have to do before they, they start. Uh, they start chasing the dollar. Um, so, Andrew, you got anything? What are you sitting here? Um, I mean, you. I mean, you kind of answered that as far as the impacts. Yeah. But I mean, you're just starting to see it more and more. Um, I'm not going to name some of the names, but you see. Uh, I think I saw UNC a couple of guys like selling T-shirts, stuff, stuff like that with their yeah. their faces on it, uh, using the logo. I mean, we're just seeing it more and more. I think it's gonna it's gonna continue to take off, but for the better or worse, it's just it's hard to tell if it's gonna be good or bad for for college college baseball i think you know it's i i just kind of a sidebar one of the best stories i I, i've ever heard about something like this remember brian bosworth Mm -hmm. okay so bosworth he was at oklahoma right and i forget who they were playing he contracts somebody to make t-shirts because they were going into the other stadium that said bosworth sucked yeah and he sold i don't know how many thousands of dollars worth of shirts he made just you know on his own on, on on the whole uh on the whole process. So there's a, there's a scenario money league going on in, uh, in, um, in major league baseball right now with the world series coming out. We're excited because Dusty Wathen, uh, is the third base coach of the Phillies and both his sons have played in our organization here. Huck's at UNCC. Um, Dusty is obviously the son of John Wathen that caught in the world series and uh, won a ring with Kansas city. 85. Um, but for the first time since 1950, 72 years ago, there is not a single African American player on a ro- on the roster. So uh, it, it and, and we deal with it here. So you know, I, I don't know how familiar you are with our facility here, but we built a three field complex. We lease uh, we lease the biggest field, the Queens Baseball, um, that's in the A Sun now, and uh, uh, the smallest field to girls softball. But we're probably predominantly in a Title One area. There's it's poverty around us, basically, lower income. Uh, predominantly African-American. Morris Madden is our partner out here with Knothole because uh, we built this all through nonprofit. It's all nonprofit uh, money here. And CMR is an MLB RBI program. Carolina Metro Red. Carolina Metro Red. CMR, Morris Madden, another former big league guy. And uh, he's done an amazing job over the years with nothing just to maintain what he can maintain in the community. But now the pressure is on to to create something bigger. I think opening day roster was 7%. Uh, on the major league roster opening day, and in college it was three percent. So there is there is a 
Drought, I know when I when I when I was in the big leagues, I think it was close to eighteen percent um, that there was uh, you know African American players uh, in the game. So it's uh, you know obviously it's an economic thing. We know that um, you know the travel the cost of travel showcase baseball is is out of control. There's not sponsors like in uh, what's the other basketball AAU. AAU basketball program. All these people are sponsoring these teams, and these kids can go and play for free. The I NCAA think, offering fewer scholarships for baseball, I think, is a, is an issue. You know what? That's that's a that's, you've brought that up before, man. Why don't you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I mean, you've, you know, football's got ninety scholarships. Uh, you know, basketball's fully yeah. scholarshiped. Yeah. Uh, baseball, though, you got eleven point seven scholarships for twenty seven guys, thirty five on the roster. Right. Uh, so nobody's getting a full tilt. And I mean, if I if I'm a talented athlete. And I'm choosing between two sports that I play. And and a lot of really good athletes play multiple sports. That's right. the way it is. You're, you're, you've got great athletes. But if you have to choose between a full scholarship to play football, basketball, or you get uh, 30% to go, and now you've got to pick up yeah, you're loans and debt. all that kind you're of stuff. You're going to come out in debt. I mean, it's, it's a, that's, a, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. So you got any thoughts on this, Bonnie Lee, where we're, where we're at in the game in terms of, you know, because college, I mean, we're dropping a lot of HBCU programs. We know that. But now HBCU programs get dropped. They weren't even predominantly African-American. They're almost 60% white playing at HBCUs, and they were getting scholarships because they were minority going into that school. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great question. I, I don't know if there's a great answer. I mean, I just remember, I mean, shoot, you know, playing high school baseball in South Carolina early 90s i mean i played against reggie taylor and gookie dawkins on the same high school baseball team and both I of those guys taylor was a first round pick gookie dawkins was a second yeah. round pick you had pokey reese at lower richland high school around the same time uh you had Corey jenkins was a first round pick uh at drear high school uh, came back after his pro baseball career and played quarterback at the University of South Carolina, then played in the NFL. Uh, you had Charles Peterson, God rest his soul, at Lawrence High School, was a first-round pick out of there. It was also Mr. Football in the state of South Carolina in the early 90s. Earl Cunningham at Lancaster High School, early 90s, first-round draft pick. That was all from 1991 to, like, 1995. All those guys were first-round picks, all of them African-American. And I think, you know, one of the things that used to be very, very important was that, you know, your, your whole social life as a young athlete was just right there in your community. You know, you grew up playing together. You played baseball during baseball season together. You played football. You played basketball. You played American Legion ball together. Like you did everything together growing up. And, and you know, you grew up playing in the rec leagues, you know, right there in your county. Um, and I think that I think part of it, part of it is economically driven. Yes, it's it's way more expensive now to play baseball. Cost of school in the last 25 years in college has went up dramatically. I mean, just, the you know, the rate of, of cost going up. I mean, it's, you know, in the state of South Carolina, out of state cost tuition fees, room boarding books, it's 50 grand. You know, it's 30 grand in state. So, I mean, when you start dealing with 11.7 scholarships and the cost of school being what it is, I mean, it's challenging to create, you know, packages unless you have needs-based aid, financial aid, uh, you know, those types of things. It, it's super hard uh, to be able uh, to do it, especially in, in other sports where you can get a full ride. So I think part of it's economics, but I think an, a, a, another part of it is just, the multi-sport dimension, uh, you know, has just kind of fizzled away that kids aren't playing multiple sports anymore. Um, and look, there's a lot of great baseball players that just play baseball year round. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with that, but what I am saying is that as far as, um, African-Americans being, um, in college baseball in professional baseball, we have to find a way to make it more affordable. But we also have to find a way to continue uh, to keep kids when they're in middle school and early high school from from just focusing on one sport, because there's so many athletes that are choosing to play other sports besides baseball at a young age that if they continue to play baseball, they may wound up being, you know, a, a high level prospect as a baseball player, because uh, I certainly grew up playing uh, against a whole lot of them. 
And, uh, you know, where are those kids now? It's just, uh, it's a little bit, you know, heartbreaking. I mean, and one of the things I'm proud of is, you know, again, you know, for us and in our 23, 24, 25 class total commitments, we're, we're sitting at 32 commitments in those three classes and seven of them are African-Americans. So we actually are, are trying to do everything that we can on our end to recruit more African-Americans, uh, to play college baseball. Um, and, uh, you know, and be one of those programs that 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 young minorities uh, can see they're they're making it a priority. Uh, but but there are challenges, and and we just need to keep talking about it. Because you are right, Jeff. I I read a stat that in 1981 at the the All Star Game, 22 percent of the players on the field in the All Star Game uh, were African American, uh, and and now uh, just as recently as I think this year, it was like eight percent. So. I mean, it's it's going on across uh, all levels of baseball, and it's something that we just continue. We just have to continue to address it. You know, as 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 just time, right? Just general time. Years go by, years go by, and more of the the um, community is leaning towards football and basketball. We're talking about because there's a scholarship set, so you don't have the good coaching inside the African American community in a broad base. Right. So, so the kids will come out there and they may not get better and they get frustrated or whatever. They may be good athletes, yeah, but they don't say, become I, baseball players. It's not, you know, the coaching is one thing, just the flat out resources. Yeah. The resource, including the coaches, including the facilities, right. including, including the, the, um, the maintenance rides, of the field, dude. transportation. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are lacking there. Um, and that's why, I mean, that's it, it, it'll be interesting to see this year overall, not just talking about African-American, but the whole travel industry and how many people start to go down to Georgia or go down to, you know what I mean? That, that, I mean, the cost of everything to go now is, 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 is climbed, you know, so that's going to box out even the lower half, even more. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if there's, you know, if anybody tries to study that or, or, you know, or, or follows it. But um, so uh, you got a prediction in the world series. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I would say for me, I think the Astros are going to do it. I just think their pitching is too good. I just, you know, I, I, I know the Phillies are hot right now, but, but I, I think the Astros, I picked the Astros. I want Dusty Baker to win one. Uh, I think the Astros, uh, on paper, the better team just around that pitching staff. It's just a, that's a, that's a, that's a super deep pitching staff. And, uh, you know they got a, they got a heck of a lineup as well. So uh, my prediction is the Astros are going to win it. I like I like the fact that Pena has just stepped up over Korea. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. And just, you know, and just and dominate another kid that steps in there and uh, and uh, it takes it well. We're, we're, I, I'm pulling for the Phillies. You know, well, you know, obviously kinda, that's yeah. we have we have a we're biased. We have we're biased. We got a connection to it, and well, uh, you can pull for whoever you want. But who's who's, who's going to win? win? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's yeah, that's a different story. Right? An analyst or a fan? I'm I'm gonna be a fan on this one, Omani um, well, man. We uh, you guys got anything else? No, I appreciate no, you coming. Listen, on. This, yeah. this has been uh, educational, and uh, it's good seeing you. I appreciate it. Um, look forward to uh, to talking more down the road. You're, you're closer to us now. Or uh, actually, if um, if you see anybody like climbing a light tower or climbing up behind the scoreboard, it's probably my son and his frat brothers down there. So. Uh, Go easy on him, man. No. <laughs> he's got he's got he's got that gene in him. <laughs> All right, Monty. Thank you, man. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch. Well, thanks, guys, for having time. me. All right, man. Thanks Take time. care. So that was good. Yeah, I mean, I it, you know he I had when I first started doing the uh, the radio show at WFNZ, he was the second interview that I had. First, I had Alan Cockrell. And then, and he just, he'll take over the show, you know yeah. what I mean? Because he's, he's loaded with so I, much I'm, information. Like this is, he's, he's a, uh, an MBA a doctor in, you know, in baseball at the college level. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know. he's, he's well-spoken. It's, I yeah. mean, it's, uh, he uses, he uses big words. Good big word, words. Good words. Good or words. I don't know. I, don't know. Say, I, I asked my, anybody from Lugoff, do they really have big words? It was, I mean, that's why you know, <laughs> a guy a like word. him in a recruiting role has just got to be awesome. I mean, it's like this guy can get across the message. You know? Right. He's not going to miss on that kind of thing. And even the other stuff. I mean, I know we were talking mostly at like a collegiate level right there yeah. with a lot of stuff, but you see how it translates down into the different levels and like the stuff yep. that they're dealing with right there. You're, you're like, why are we dealing with that with this age group? Right. It's like, oh my God. Well, we try to explain that we try to explain through our base right our, our, the kids and Aaron like 
you know, this is what we're preparing you for. So somebody will say, you know, well, my son's going to play a position in high school. Well, he's a PO at the next level, and it's not our job to to worry about yeah. if he's going to get his, you know, his ribs doing it. That thing goes go somewhere else. Getting ready for high school. Our right. high school guys, we're 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 showcasing them for for college, for collegiate level. Yeah, so not it's, it's not different... high school. And again, I mean, if if he like Monty said, if, if the high school coach is doing the job the right way, um, then he's preparing them for the small ball game, right? Mm-hmm. Preparing them, you know, to play their position when they when it's time to play their position. But you know, at this level here, you know, we talk about POs all the time. You know, I mean, it's it it, it sucks for families in the sense that they want to go see their kid play, mm-hmm. right? And they've been used to watching him play since he was this big. He's been on the field forever. But now the, the the position player has gotten better than that guy in the position, but not on the bump. Mm-hmm. So you know, go to the go to go you know go hone your uh, you know your trade, man. Go get better at it. Is that a big word? Hone? Hone? No. <laughs> no I, I even knew that word. You did. I, just, I, I mean, you get you some of the kids that are that, that evolve into POs. Uh, it, there's not a negative. It's not a negative thing. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's the most important position on the field Listen, when you are pitching. It's it's as a recruiter is going to go to see what first pitchers pitchers. What are you going to go see second catchers? Right. Then third middle infielders. Middle infielders. Right. Stop center field. It's right. all up the middle. Everything it, up the it, middle. It's all up the middle. So you know we, we're trying we're trying working on getting guys recruited. It's like outfielders are not easy to get recruited. And I think outfielders may be the one the one position when they go to see something specific and they see something outside there, guy that tracks the ball well, shows a good arm, has some quality at bats, you know. But uh, got hit. There's so many. There's so many stock hit. position players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so many guys out there in a position that can do exactly what everybody else can do. You know how do you, you know how do you climb above that? Um, so uh, Tuesday, our tryout cbcbaseball.net. Yep. Right. Cbcbaseball.net. Um, home play gala November fourth, big Friday. time. So Dusty is going to do a video because he's in the World Series. So our Spirit of the Game Award winner is Dusty Watson, third base coach of the Phillies, and uh, he is uh, he's preparing through the Phillies media department a acceptance speech for the award. I think Heidi will be here. Um, I don't know that they'll be out in because uh, the game the, that's six and seven, right? That would be out in Houston if they if they get if it goes right. that deep. Um, so, and what else we got going on, Andrew? It's hunting season. It's hunting season. Well, yeah, John's got, but you're going to be there next Friday, right? Yeah. 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 As long as I'm not in the tree stand. So when we were closer to John's house. He used to bring his bow and shoot. Uh, maybe shoot. We'd find that. Oh yeah. yeah I, 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 I pepper, I'd pepper around in that Westinghouse building. Man. Why yeah, don't man. you do it here? You have plenty of room out, outdoors. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm s- flat. I don't know what I can hit. You know, <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, listen, if you want to register for our tryouts, obviously uh, see our facility. Uh, we have a three-field complex. We've got an indoor facility. We have former major league players, college players, uh, USA baseball people all in-house here uh, coaching the kids. Again, it's, you know, we're not a multi-team organization across the board. You know, we, uh, we focus on what we have. So let's talk about the recruiting process. We have... Well, we know that Sam's got offers out there. Mm-hmm. We know that Shipman's got, got offers out there. So basically, we're down to two guys in our entire 2023 roster uh, moving forward. Hunter Buskay is going to go to Brevard. He uh, he checked that one off last night. Uh, we've got D1 guys, D2, and AIA, D3 guys all going, and they're all going to play. And I think that says a lot about the organization that these guys have enjoyed going through the processes <laughs> with us and. And you there's know. been a lot of continuity with that team. I mean, that yeah. the, that team has had parts of it on here since they were 10. But yeah. even, you know, more recently in the last three or four years, I mean, it's been a very, very similar team yeah. with, you know, just a, an exception here or there. So, I mean, it's 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 so much more fun to have that that kind of relationship. Now, good good families that, that trusted us in the process, you know, that, uh, I mean, it's, an, you know, John, there's these, there's these, we call them poachers, call them whatever you want. But they, you know, there's, there's people trying to pick teams apart all the time. Mm-hmm. We deal with it all the time. And, uh, you know, credit to the organization, credit to our coaching staff and our programming, all that our, other stuff. And the that, players, the flat out the players. The players I mean, they, are, they, yeah. they believed in it and yeah. they believed in their teammates. And, and you know, they, you know, it, it's they take as much credit as, you know, us, in my opinion. I mean, That's, they, yeah, they were point. loyal. They showed a lot of loyalty there. Good point. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate Monty Lee's time today. And we will be at this again. Well, next week's the gala. 
probably the week after. Maybe we'll do like a Monday show. Maybe or we'll do a, yeah a, a midweek show or yeah. something like that next week. But yeah, Friday's the uh, Friday. I already have my appointment at the groomer. The dog groomer. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's where I get my hair cut, man. Yeah, I get a biscuit when I'm done. It's Do pretty cool. I love it. Absolutely. That's it. I'm strapped down. All right. We appreciate everybody. And uh, we will do this again sometime next week. Peace out.